today on Laura Lynn and Friends. These people who are involved in this, these cult, these, you know, these Satanists, these Luciferians, they declare this, right? Whether they're Wiccans, they declare that they want that population to be as low as they can. And every single person that they can sterilize or neuter is another person that can't have a child. So that's a win for them, a victory. All is well. Um, you know, yesterday we played a, uh, a show that I had in the can, so to speak, uh, with Steve Holstrom. I hope that you can gather it. And, you know, he was talking about the resurgence of men feeling empowered. I mean, can you imagine that with decades of all of this women's lib and uh, the Simpsons making men look stupid, not to mention the Cosby show, and then Cosby turns out to be a real nightmare in real life, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, how this has made men look, all of these attacks against them, all of the attacks against fatherhood and all of that. And if you did not catch yesterday's show, please, please watch Steve Holmstrom talk about this incredible thing that's happening where men and women are giving men back like this, you know, how do you, how do you say this? But you've always had this empowerment and yet society has demeaned men. They've raised women, you know, the, the whole women's movement and all of that. Hey, rah, rah, I'm glad I can vote. Thank you. Thank you that I'm allowed to speak and do a show like this. You know, hey, I, I never knew that I couldn't. I'm not much of a women's liver because all my life and even going through, you know, the 70s and, and growing up in that era, um, I never felt... Um, that I didn't have power. I never felt like men were more significant or nor did I worry about them being paid more or anything like that. And uh, in all the jobs, the professional jobs that I've had, I have for, you know, job per job, I've always made the same as any man that I worked with, including on broadcast television. And so I, I, I did not experience that. But maybe that's because women fought so hard. So now we fought so hard that the feminists are fine with a man, right, um, competing against women in a woman's sports. <laughs> that's, that's how we've gone a little bit backwards. Uh, I don't know. And, you know, personally, I like when a man is respectful of me and opens a door and treats me, you know, with uh, dignity. I like that. And it really is helpful when I'm traveling across the country and I need somebody to lift a bag into that overhead, right? And when I travel with my husband, it's wonderful because he does all the heavy lifting. And uh, that's how we met, actually, we, when, when we started dating. Do you remember that? And you'd make me carry the heavy equipment when we do our shoots and stuff. Yeah, the lights. Anyways, he says that never happened, but I know better. Um, so he, you know, he wasn't going to give me a free ride. I was just a volunteer, basically. Read my book. It's called Relentless Redemption. It's all in there. Um, so I like that men treat women with respect. Um, I am not one to turn away anyone treating me, uh, well and, and honoring my person just for being a human being on this planet. Like God made us to rule, to have dominion over this earth. And that is not for any government to ever take any of that away from us. So what we're seeing in Canada right now, um, I just want to remind you what's going on this next week. And that's the million person march. We had Kamal on 
And Kamal is an amazing Muslim man who defends his family, loved that his beautiful wife, um, he does not like, like what's happening in Canada where we can't define what a woman is. I love this. The, you know, this is a place where the Muslims, the Christians, the Sikhs and the Jews were all linking arms. I mean, over parental rights, it's one of the only things we can actually do that. Like it's such a simple thing. We all love our children. We all care about our kids. And so all nationalities, all religions joining together for this 1 million march. Now I'm going to Ottawa and thank you. Uh, some of you have said, listen, I'm going to help you with some expenses with that. And I appreciate it. You've sent a little bit extra and um, you know, there's still expenses to cover because when I go, I don't have anybody paying my way. It's just that I feel we need to get this covered with good media and to, to catch the stories, the interviews, and the people that are doing this. So all of us believe that this propagandization, is that a word? It is now. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> of our kids and telling them that they can change their gender, all of that, no, we're not down with it at all. None of us, not the Christians, not the Jews, not the Muslims, not the Sikhs, not the atheists even. Uh, we've got everybody in unanimous support. And what I find most interesting is that Pierre Polyev never brought up once in his speech at the CPC parental rights, which is the hottest issue going right now. We're about to have a million people march for parental rights in Canada and not a mention of it. Um, very interesting. And we also saw some great, uh, you know, points put forward at the conservative uh, convention where they want to ban surgeries. They want to put forward a motion that the Conservative Party of Canada would represent and put forth a law or a bill to become a law that we will not do transgender surgeries on anyone under 18. Now, uh, Pierre Polyev has said that he's not bound by anything that his constituents, we the people, <laughs> might think. And uh, I'm, I'm personally not a Conservative Party of Canada member because I, I can't see one single thing that represents my values as a Christian. So I, I'm not going to support that party. But I was, um, I was pleased that there are the grassroots that is putting for, forward these bills. Now, I've been through this process and basically any, any leader of the party doesn't have to do anything that the grassroots wants. And that's been the problem for decades now, that the parties in power have not done what the people wanted. They have not dealt with abortion in our country. They have not dealt with these parental issues. It's been growing, the violation. Uh, for goodness sakes, if you can ban good news being censored off all media, can you not ban pornography? Can you not ban child porn? Can you not ban the disgusting visuals that our children can access on any telephone? Can you not ban that? If you can ban good people like myself from reporting honest news, why can't you ban that? So in your areas, I did get a text from Amrit, my wonderful friend in Surrey, British Columbia, and he wanted to, you know, make sure that I knew about what was going on there. Uh, let me see if I can get this. So if you're in Surrey, you want to get out that way. Now, today on the show, 
Uh, we are going to have, after my first guest, we are going to have um, uh, Miriam, who's going to come on, a wonderful Muslim lady from Coquitlam, and they have the One Million March. And let me tell you, she is an absolutely beautiful lady. She tracked me down at Sean Fute. She didn't know, Foyt, sorry. Uh, she didn't know how uh, she would find one blonde lady in this massive group in Coquitlam. Uh, 5,000 people showed up for Sean Foyt in beautiful British Columbia, and it was a stunning, stunning evening. It was absolutely just beautiful. My son and I were there. Um, we took some footage. So this lovely lady, Miriam, uh, thought, how am I going to find this one blonde lady? And, you know, I had to go pick up my purse at the end of the evening where I'd left it, and there she was, and she was like, oh! <gasps> There you are. She didn't know how she'd find me. And so we we had a wonderful hug. We had a wonderful talk about our kids. And she's going to share later about why she came to this country and how she's ended up in tears day after day after day because of what this country has been representing and doing to their family. So uh, we're going to get to that. Finally, um, if you are able to get to Toronto, Ontario area, to the Whitby, Ontario, just a little town outside of Toronto. We are doing our huge event. It's called the Era of Champions. Uh, Dr. Lance Walnow and Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky uh, will be featured, but so will um, doctors, um, oh, Dr. Artis from the States, Dr. Bridal, Dr. Mackis, Paul Alexander, uh, Dr. Trozzi, um, Josh Alexander for the young group uh, is going to be there, as well as um, Nathaniel Pavlovsky, two young men standing up against the cultural disaster that is Canada at the moment. Um, so incredible people, incredible people are going to be there. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, you do have the right poster. Okay. So October 28th, if you can get there, please go to my website, laurelin.tv, underneath events. You can see that. Uh, use that URL to get there. All right, let's let's uh, let's move forward because uh, I'm having just too much fun chatting my face off and we have an incredible guest. Um, so Peter Harding is an American living in New York State um, and experienced harsh, harsh uh, the COVID measures much like Canada did. Uh, so he started a group and this group is called Inspired Americans in 2021 in an attempt to establish a common ground and build bridges and understanding and network everything together to inform people and have a group that stands together. And he has great news. He's kind of a hopeful guy. And, and so that's kind of different than what we've been hearing lately. So let's have him on. Uh, Pete, thanks for waiting. And I sure appreciate that you're here today. Hey, how you doing, Laura? It's a pleasure to be on. No problem at all. Doing really good. Uh, we've been hearing, just before we get started on Inspired Americans and all that, um, you know, we've been watching in the news as uh, Governor, is it, um, what is it, oh, the Texas guy? Um, oh, oh. Abbott, uh, Abbott Governor yeah. Abbott. And he's sending, uh, he's sending quite a few of the illegal immigrants coming across the border and sending them up to your state. And there's been all kinds of hoopla and they're like, we can't handle this, you know, but They've been pretty pro, um, you know, sanctuary cities, you know, and all of that. So it's, but it is creating a bit of uh, hoopla. How, how do you see it being from that state? 
We had an incident here in Erie County, uh, actually, where they were allowing these illegal immigrants, can't call them asylum seekers, they're illegal immigrants, that uh, the, you know, whichever Department of Homeland Security, Border Patrol, whoever, whomever, is getting them, aiding and assisting them to get into these different regions of the area. There's actually, uh, there's actually companies that are contracted with New York State and the federal government, and they receive money to bring each one of these asylum seekers into different states. They coach them, educate them, write down on what to wear, how to walk, all of these things so that people won't see them as a threat. They were housing these people. They were displacing college students within the SUNY college system, and they were also displacing people in hotels. They were homeless people and, and, and you know people that needed shelter for a long time. They'd been in there. They forced them out of these, uh, out of these hotels. They brought in these illegal immigrants, but in droves by the hundreds and and most of them weren't injected there were a, there was a lot of crime that came into these various towns we had women that have been assaulted they've been killed at this point murdered and raped and and finally in our county they said enough is enough and it was a little bit too late for for a lot of families who lost their loved ones and now these school districts were being forced by the state attorney general Letitia James stating that the each school district has to take on these illegal immigrants no injections putting all of the children at risk right schools say you must be injected got to remove religious exemption but the illegal immigrants can come in and they don't need any proof of any of the or verification of their vaccination status and there have been outbreaks of various diseases here as a result and and it's very very sad and it's very unfortunate and I don't blame the asylum seekers I really don't blame them but you blame government and these businesses um, are you saying that in New York State that all of the kids the American children do they have to be vaccinated is that with the COVID vax well not the COVID vax but in order to go to school, but there was a religious exemption or you had a medical exemption prior to, I believe it was 2019. There was a very big case that that uh, resulted, that came about. And, and in New York State, the pharmaceuticals, they run New York State. They, they run all of the state senators, all the state legislators. We know this. They ran Cuomo, they're running Hopeful right now, both of whom are transactional governors. And they put into place, There's there, in New York State right now, the vaccination schedule, I believe, is 82, 82 injections or vaccinations. And in order for these children to go to school, they have to receive that schedule of injections prior to their first day of going to school. They used to be able to declare religious exemptions in order to go in 2019. That was abolished. That is absolutely shocking. And, you know, what are we doing? Uh, all of this stuff that's going into to the bodies of our children, it's, it's so disturbing. Um, we've had numerous doctors on to talk about stuff like that. I'm, I'm absolutely in shock. Uh, so let's talk about inspired Americans. And, you know, you said something really fast before we got started here when we were in the green room before we went live. And you said, you know, you, you want to talk about how we can turn this thing around, basically. And so tell me a little bit about the process of going through what we've all been through, a lot of drama 
this last three years and, and how you came out of that with this organization? Uh, uh, you know, gladly and proudly. And thank you for asking the question, Laura. Uh, before I get into that, I want to talk about briefly a great decision that was rendered today down in New Mexico. It looked like it was going to be really, really bad, very bleak. The governor declared it was going to be this state of emergency and proclaimed that in this state of emergency, without there was no constitutionality to it at all, that there were going to be no people were not going to be able to, to use their guns or carry their guns, I think is what it was, because there was one child that was killed. There was a sheriff in one of the counties came out and said, no, you're not doing that. And this is why you're not doing it. If you go through with this, you will be charged and arrested as the governor. And and what a lot of people don't understand and realize is they think that these public servants have qualified immunity, but they don't. They think that they have absolute immunity, but they don't. They violate their oath of office. If they violate the Constitution in any way, they can be arrested. So what that shows and demonstrates is that what we have learned in the past three and a half years, how quickly and how simply we can take it back here in New York State, we have 37 counties. There's out of 62, out of 62 counties that signed a proclamation back, and I believe it was the end of 2021, that stated we will never again abide by another mandate, lockdown, measure, rule, regulation, anything. That's huge. And that's the way you defeat these things, very simply. A lot of times we get into these, these situations or these issues you know, like like transgenderism, parental rights. We think it's very difficult to to surmount these things, but it really isn't. We're able to overcome them very quickly. And and what we've got to believe is we can do it. We've got to educate people. We've got to inform them, but we've got to be there. That's the biggest shortcoming in everything that we're doing right now across the country is that people really aren't networked. And I think a lot of us see that it's starting to happen in a more material and better way. And as we get networked, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to take the wins in each one of these areas and apply it to our state because it can be that simple. We've seen it happen over and over and over again. With that example here in uh, New York State with those 37 beautiful counties that were heroic and took the steps that they needed to as well as down in New Mexico. So. When you get back, I wanted to mention transgenderism and parental rights because I know it's a big issue and, and, and you've got the people that are talking about it. But we're, what I'm advising parents here right now are, we've been doing this for years, and this stemmed back to after the 2019 with the decision on the uh, religious exemptions for vaccinations in the school. What you do as a parent, and we this has worked thousands and thousands of times with parents all across the country, you make sure you know everybody in the school, every single person, the principal, vice principal, every one of the board members, superintendent, whatever they call them there in Canada or in your, in your country. And you make sure you put each and every one of those people on notice specifically what is not acceptable for your child. So if you do not want your child exposed to sex education, transgenderism, the, the school psychologist, and that's really where everything got rooted in. You saw this big transformation. My daughter was victimized by this 13 years ago. People thought that this is a new thing. It's not. She was preyed upon by the school psychologist, by the school social worker, convinced that she was a boy, changed her name to Ethan, 
she became very confused, very depressed, and nobody is held accountable for it in the schools. So you write, you put every single person on notice. You let them know you are not allowed to talk to my child about these issues, regarding these issues at all. And then you have a conversation with your child and you let them know that these people can't do that. But more importantly, you tell them why. You want to have that deep conversation with them. They're being exposed to it anyways in the school. Here, right in our area, here in Erie County, there are teachers that prey on these children and, and tell them to not talk to their parents. It's horrible. We've all heard these horror stories. There was just a mother who won a big lawsuit. It was a great lawsuit. I can't remember the parent or the state that she was in or the school district, but that was a huge win for us. That's setting precedent. Now, in addition to doing that for each one of the parents, if anybody does that immediately, you have the school board members that take an oath of office. They have to uphold the Constitution. They also are sworn to uphold the laws. There are what we call sexual harassment laws in pretty much every country and state, county, everywhere. And what you want to do is you want to use that against the school psychologist. These people took an oath of office, so they have to testify. It, they are obligated to testify and be honest with the information that they have. If they don't, that is called for removal. And there's a process that you go through there. You have a vote of no confidence with the parents, the same exact things that the teachers unions do. This is where we learn all of these strategies. You, you get the petition signed. The petition really doesn't work that well. We know that. Making a plea to the school board really doesn't work. We've learned that. Going after their bonds, that doesn't work. We, we've, we figured that out. This process works. Why it works is because it puts the liability and fear onto somebody. Otherwise, these people don't have fear. They need to be fearful. And you start one person at a time. You submit that charge, that sexual harassment charge, criminal level sexual harassment charge against the individual that you know what happened with, with local law enforcement. And then that, at that point, local law enforcement is required to do that. Now, what we do with the experienced media, we have local news networks in a lot of our towns. That is very, very important. They're, everybody's doing podcasting, but they're not doing news reporting. It's very important for that news to get reported, whether it's by the parent daily or someone who, who is in the community that wants to report on it. The reason that in is, is because these, these schools think that they're operating in ambiguity. They, they're not fearful. It's circular obfuscation and administrative ambiguity. They're going to deflect, deflect, deflect. They're not going to be held accountable. They know the game. Until you put the spotlight on them, you make a web page about them, a social media page, that's all above board. You show exactly what they did, and that is all above board. It's all lawful, all completely lawful. And then you're hoping that criminal prosecution goes through. If it doesn't, there's a whole other series of things you can do. We won't get into that now, but a civil suit also immediately. Now, what parents have to be careful of is the teachers union coming after them because we're seeing that happening. These, these school, these teachers union have been educated at this point on how to attack parents. So the more you're going to file a civil suit against that individual, for what they have done to your child. After you've put them on notice, the moment they file a suit against you, you're going to, for whatever reason, harassment is usually what it is, 
you're going to file a countersuit against them immediately for, for 10 times the amount that they're suing you for. And we're seeing great, great success with this. And it happens very, very quickly. Thank you wow. for, you know, thank you for obliging me with that. Oh, I thank you for that information. That's amazing, Pete. And, and I think that you're really onto something. They're beginning to figure that out in Canada as well, that you literally have to put the fear. Um, I, I mean, how is it okay to talk to our children about sexual matters? How is it okay to have these books in the schools, sexualizing children with naked people, having sex in all kinds of positions, and these uh, GSA uh, uh, school classes, which is the Gay um, gay Straight Alliance Clubs, uh, apparently. I mean, this is just another way of introducing, you know, horrible, like, you know, dildos and sex toys and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, speaking to children about sexual matters, that is a criminal offense. And what you're saying is find out who that person is and what was said, what was done, make it public, bring it all out, and, and basically let them know that they are going to be gone after civilly. Um, these, the, you're mentioning these, um, the unions. That is problematic. These guys have the money behind them to, to sort of uh, be very difficult. But, you know, if you have true facts, everyone, sometimes we just have to stand in the truth represent yourself or whatever it is, but it is not okay, you know, to just allow your kids to these wolves and nothing's done. I agree, Laura. And, and you stated it very clearly. They, they, but you know what they don't have on their side? They don't have the law. They don't have God and they don't have righteousness. So there's a process to go through if the courts and the attorneys don't honor your criminal complaint that they that you have. There's a process to go through if they don't honor your civil complaint either. So very, very important to know those steps as well. But for people who are worried and concerned about their children right now, these are the steps that you want to take and it will be successful, absolutely successful. Well, thank and, you and for- just, just, as a, mm -hmm. just, to, yep. just to close it, you know, my daughter, um, you know, a wonderful lady, uh, we really don't have a relationship anymore at this point, sadly. But, uh, you know, she ended up being gay and the school was never held accountable. And here, 13 years later, that same school district, that same school psychologist and that social worker, because they have to justify their existences, right? And as they're justifying their existences, this is, that was the root cause. We started to see during the Obama administration, these, every one of these schools, getting these school psychologists and these social workers, and those people have to be held account, held to account. There are there's study. They don't have one study that shows transgenderism has positive effect. None. There's so many testimonials and the research, the evidence, the science that states the contrary. And these school systems aren't listening to it. The reason they're not listening to it is because they're receiving funding. Wherever they're receiving that funding from, whether it's the federal or state level or both, that is sure. just just like with the mask, just like with the mask measures and the forced injections. That's why they did what they did. Hmm. Um, it's it's very troubling. You mentioned the Obama era. Like, do you think that that presidency ushered in a certain amount of stuff that uh, we didn't see coming, or or was it there before him, or what? 
Obama ushered in a lot. And the transgenderism issue was a very, very big deal. Starting to see the dumbing down of our schools more and more, the erosion of our college, of colleges more and more as military, uh, Navy, and MCB 21. Uh, it's a construction battalion. I served as a uh, reservist for three years. And then uh, right after 9-11, I joined a lot of friends, a lot of friends in the military. And the people that had the most experience the most years the highest tenure whether it was enlisted or officers they were getting rid of them at an unprecedented level and the people that they were bringing in to replace them were brand new people and oddly enough most of them had very specific ethnicities and religious affiliations and once trump came in all of that stopped all of that erosion that that destruction that happened to our u.s military was restored and everybody's spirits i know people just spoke to a friend of mine who's been in the military for 13 years he saw the transitions from obama to trump and now biden and uh, he was going to be a career guy he has done wonderful things in the army for our country wonderful things whether it was overseas or here in our country he said i've had enough he goes i pray trump comes back but i don't think he's going to come back soon enough I'll probably be gone by then. And that overwhelmingly is the case with so many people. And that's by design. Wow. I believe you. I believe you. And we've seen the results of this as, you know, something that when you and I were going to school, I'm probably older than you, uh, but we, um, we didn't know transgender kids. That was not a thing. No one talked about it. There was like not a thing. And in fact, we never saw naked pictures of anybody, you know, doing sex acts, you know, heterosexual or, or any other kind. And we didn't sexualize children, right? And now our whole system is geared towards this whole United Nations uh, Agenda 2030, basically saying that kids have the right to their sexuality and that you know, we have to give them the tools or whatever. Like this is pure and utter filth and evil. Uh, children are not to be sexualized. And in fact, we serve a, you know, we serve a God who did not think that children should be sexualized in Song of Solomon several times. It says, do not awaken, uh, you know, these sexual feelings before their time. And what's happening is sexual feelings are being awakened in children much before their time. And they're getting confusion because you have activists in, in the schools that probably had a hand in speaking with your child behind your back without your consent or knowledge and giving her ideas and false, uh, false information, you know, that it has affected her life. And this is a common story now. I'm hearing about it every day. And we, we've got to stand up to it and fight back. This, this is not okay. You're absolutely right, Laura, I agree. It's not, and it is one of the simplest things, one of the absolute simplest things that we can take on and correct and address. And we think that we can't do it, but we really can. And we've seen success in, in thousands and thousands of cases. We'd love to see that be the case for tens of thousands of children and families because it is very destructive. When you've had that core, the reason the UN has it uh, they want to destroy family. Every communist regime, it's all about destroying the family. That's all in the manifesto. Every single regime that's out there, that's exactly what they do. Destroy the elderly, destroy the uh, handicapped, and, and turn the children on the parents. So that is part of it, eroding the family. And like you said earlier, uh, individuals who are 
in you know Sikhs and who are Muslim or of the Islam faith everywhere they are they are faced with this and they're questioning it and they're very like you said your friend very very sad because they just don't know what to do or how to handle it so hopefully this will help some of the other big part of this is you got to think about this that these people who are involved in this these cult these you know these satanists these luciferians they declare this right whether they're wiccans they declare that they want that population to be as low as they can and every single person that they can sterilize or neuter is another person that can't have a child so that's a win for them a victory right and you know uh, they have no problem talking about how the world has too many people in it and what's really sad i think pete is that the LGBTQ themselves do not understand that this is all a ploy to harm them, like to to hurt them. That these people don't care. Soros didn't invest millions or billions, I don't know, of dollars into the whole transgender phenomenon because he cared about transgender kids. He, you know, he's an old Hungarian man. He he created total chaos to hurt people. And he knew that the Christians, the Muslims, the Jews, the Sikhs, uh, religious people were going to get very upset. And of course, he's a raging atheist. So he thought, how do I create chaos? And he threw a ton of money at a, a strange, you know, thing called, you know, transgenderism, being queer, which no one can define and a whole lot of sexual, uh, you know, perversion. He threw a lot of money at it. And now people got caught up in it and they're getting payoffs left, right and center at the expense uh, of the souls of our kids. You're absolutely right. And that's exactly what it is. And you have these businesses that are contracted with Soros to go in. We've seen the beautiful James O'Keefe, you know, uh, documentaries, the undercover uh, reporting, the investigations that he's done. And he's exposed that. You can't you can't hide from when somebody gives testimony in front of a camera that they didn't know that they were being recorded on, right? It's about as true and as real as it gets. So when they want to say it's conspiracy and bail, there was just a beautiful gentleman. Uh, I don't know which school district it was. I'm going to try to find the video and share it with you so you can give it to everybody. In about two and a half minutes, he completely decimates the transgender movement with schools. He goes through, look at here are all the instances of, of men who, who said that they were women who killed or hurt or assaulted all of these women in all of these settings because the schools were saying it never happened. Then he went into talking about, and this was the home run, the Grand Slam home run and a touchdown. He said, if, the, if this was an anorexic person, you wouldn't tell them to, keep, to not keep eating. And he said, if you, this was a person that was struggling you know, with, uh, you know, schizophrenia, you wouldn't tell them to listen to all the voices. You would say, go get treatment. <laughs> Transgenderism, why are we enabling it? The only reason we're enabling it, because it's like you said, it serves their agenda. It really does. So, and it, uh, yeah, it, it's created the chaos that they desired and it's hurting families. It's hurting, uh, you know, Christian, Muslim, Sikh, Jewish families, atheist families. It's hurting families in our nation. And do you know what's shocking? And um, I'll just close with this. This is your organization here. Um, and we want everybody to go and check out your website and maybe perhaps try and join your organization on, on Facebook um, under the same name, Inspired Americans. But um, the, the thing is, is that our political leaders are largely so silent on it. 
And in Canada, it's far worse. At least you had Trump who was standing against, you know, he didn't want the, he, he stood against transgenders being in the military and, and he had a lot of things that were really good. He, he respected if you want to be gay, be gay. But, you know, but he had some standards. What we're seeing in our political realms today here in Canada, we have a tremendous problem because Pierre Polyev, uh, you know, he has a lot of gay activists right within his personal office. His father um, is gay. And so he's the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada right now. And the Conservative Party grassroots people, they want this dealt with. They want protection for their families. But you will barely find any politician willing to speak up on this because, of course, the pushback and the, you know, the left-leaning crazy people, they come out in droves along with the bought-off, paid-off mainstream media. What I can tell you is this. We have to stop thinking under the old construct of going through bills, going through public servants. We have seen the frustration that 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 we encounter with that bringing it back to you bringing it back to the individual the way that i just discussed is the way that we're handling everything here we inform every public servant on the constitution the new york state constitution and the u.s constitution in fact it was one of the things i wanted to mention was that coming up to the week of september 17th to september 23rd here in the u.s there was a law that was signed that every school that receives state funding every or federal funding is obligated to call that constitutional week they're obligated to do that and they're obligated to get curriculum to teach people what the constitution is and the and their new york state constitution and they're supposed to celebrate on september 17th i wonder how many of those schools are actually doing that at this point but they can i have conversations with patriots all the time constitutionalists americans here they don't even believe that the constitution exists they don't think that we can enforce it i go the only you in your mind you have to understand that it exists your power exists the power doesn't come from pierre polyev it doesn't we know pierre polyev we know his history we know why he is there he is that backup plan once Trudeau goes. And they were able to buy a ton of time, sir. They were able to buy a ton of time with Trudeau. Nobody thought that he was going to be able to get away with it for as long as he was and, and not be held accountable. So right now, Pierre Polyev is, I thought he was amazing, but he's very polished. And we know what he's doing. We know what his agenda is going to be. People have to understand their rights. They have to, you know, they have to, you know, use their rights in every single, apply their rights in every way they can. And again, bringing it back small to the individual public servant is key. That is key because so many times we want to go after the, the school. We want to go after, you know, the, the law, the bill, whatever it is. We can't do that. We got to start going after the people that are signing these bills, authoring yeah. them, co-signing them. And that's the school yeah. trustees, too. You said you can't really rely on school trustees. Like, they're a bunch of no minds. They're totally scared. They don't want to lose their position. So, they're, you know, they're just kowtowing to all of the politically correct. We need, we need courageous people to stand up for little kids being told a pack of lies. And maybe we have to name, name names with these uh, school trustees. I certainly have. We have some real crazies right in the town where I live. I mean, absolutely bizarro world.
crazy school trustees. These people should not be near children. Uh, and, and we've got them, you know, they get upset if uh, one of the trustees suggests that maybe the girls should have to dress a little bit more appropriately because they're coming, you know, with everything hanging out. Oh, you're some kind of sicko for suggesting that. I mean, it's just crazy. But Pete, I have to go because I have an important uh, lady waiting and she's got to go pick up her beautiful children from school. So I can't keep her waiting much longer. Pete, I'm hoping you'll come back on. I'm going to let Toby know that we'd like to feature what's going on again. Like, let's do this, you know, two to three months, not wait very long to get an update from you on what's going on in America. I appreciate your stand and your, your strong pursuit of righteous uh, beliefs and, and our freedom, our freedom. We have the God-given right to be free. He created us. Nobody gets to control us. So thank you very much for your message. You're welcome, Laura. It's been a pleasure. God bless and God bless your mission. I hope it's great. I hope you guys uh, do really well with everything. Take care. And I can't wait to see you again. Thank Gladly. you, Pete. God bless. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. God bless. All right. Okay. Well, we have something that is um, going on. I, I love people that do something about it. Look at this man. His life affected by transgenderism. Somebody communicating without his knowledge to his child and she she becomes you know a different name a different gender so to speak and it's affected his life what did he do he turned around and he began to figure out ways to to fight and to stand up for our families i have another incredible uh lady here she's waiting in the wings let me tell you a bit about her her name is miriam abdallah She's the mother of three. She's very busy. Her, the ages of her kids are two, four, and six. She moved to BC June 2020. Uh, she is a Muslim Arab descent from Yemen. Her husband grew up in Coquitlam, and uh, she was born and grew up in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. And we would like to invite her to the show. Thank you so much, Miriam, for waiting. I hope that we can hear you. How are you? I am fine, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, yay! Okay. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic, it work, Miriam. Yeah, because we didn't. <laughs> and I was worried about that. <laughs> hey, I good, loved it. Yeah, we we found each other the other day Amazing. at the Sean Foyt con concert. You didn't know how to find the blonde girl in uh, all the blondes, <laughs> and you found I did me, and I found you. Scan the crowd a little bit, but again, fate, fate, and destiny. Total right. believer in both. Right. Oh, Miriam, I'm, I'm so grateful for you. We are standing together with uh, Kamal uh, that has started this incredible movement. We're going to play his video after you because I don't want to miss anything from you. I know you're on a time constraint. Um, tell yes. me a bit about your story. You shared briefly with me about coming to Canada and your hopes and dreams in that. Yeah. So uh, my husband grew up in Kukutla and um he had always said that he thought the school system here was great. And obviously he grew up studying here and he went to university here. And he had always said to me back when we were living there in Dubai or in the United Arab Emirates that, you know, once the kids are close to school age, I want to move back. I want to move back so they get the same education I got. And that was one of the main reasons why he wanted to move back. Um, so we did, we did, uh, and our, our move got a bit accelerated with the whole COVID uh, scenario uh, in 2020, but we ended up here in June. And uh, my son was due to start school the following year. Uh, and we got him in. And I think, I don't know if it was after he started or, or just a little bit before, I started to get messages on different groups about 
what was going on at the schools here in BC. Before arriving here, I was clueless. I had absolutely no idea that this was what was happening at schools. I probably would have had a completely different um, plan if I had known. Um, but I was completely clueless. I arrived thinking, you know, the same story, the history that my husband has with his schools is what my kids are going to experience. And then I start getting on Zoom calls with members of our community, educating us about what's going on at BC's public schools. And it was horrifying. Um, literally, I remember after I think attending the first one, I was in dire. I had I didn't know what to do. I felt hopeless. I felt helpless. And I thought I had made the biggest mistake of my life. And what am I going to do with my kids? And very quickly after that, I started asking in groups, you know, are there other options? Are there other schools? Are there, uh, are they, you know, I started considering homeschooling, speaking to people, trying to figure out if there's a way that maybe I could do this. Because the idea of sending my children to schools for them to be indoctrinated with all this information that goes completely against all our beliefs, completely against science, against nature, against any common sense really was was just beyond me. I, I couldn't, I, I lost, I had sleepless nights. I remember calling my brother who lives in, in South Africa in tears telling him, I don't know what to do. I really do not know what to do. Um, and then I think a little bit after that, I can't remember dates specifically, but then there was the C4 bill that passed and that again blew my mind. And when I found out that it passed unanimously, I was like, what is going on in this country? It's, it's, it's insanity, complete insanity. And that nobody is, I can't hear you. For anyone that doesn't know about Bill C4, Miriam, it's a very good point. I'm so glad you brought it up. I don't know if we have the video to play in the side, but this is, this was unanimously brought in by the conservative party of Canada, the liberal party, the NDP unanimously voted that we basically are hamstrung. We are not allowed to tell a child not to transition and not to accept the body that God gave them. And that goes against religious freedom. That goes against freedom of speech. That goes against parental rights. And this is Canada. It goes against everything. It's, it's, it's beyond me. It's beyond me, really, Laura, uh, Laura Lynn. And then... Um, that so that happened and again I, I i got into another wave of panic and and fear and you know i'm thinking what have we done i think we should just pack up and go back to where this where we, where we came from because this is not the life I, I want for my children i wanted to give them a better future not to lose them in the process um then obviously you know thankfully recently there's been i don't know if it was the c4 it was i heard people talking about qatar being the reason i'm not sure what it was that got people internationally a little bit more riled up about Okay, I think enough is enough. This has gone as far as it needs to go. We really need to put a stop and a stand to it. And I think for every individual, we always think I'm the little person, I'm the one person. What change can I inspire? But really all it needs is a million ones and we have a million, right? So I heard about this movement and I decided that I wanted to do something. Uh, I hadn't heard about anything happening in BC and I thought I'm getting involved, even if it is going to be just the one or the five or the 10, I'm going to go out and do my part. So when I lay my head down at night, I know that I've done everything I can as the individual to try and make a change. Uh, and then a great friend of mine got me in touch with Kamil Sheikh's team. And now I'm working with them to run a protest here in Kukutlam. Everyone's welcome to come. We are promoting it as the mother's movement. And I'm encouraging all mothers in my area and in neighboring cities to join us and to fight for our rights and our children's rights and protect their innocence and, and return schools to what they, what they should be. A place where kids go to get educated for their future, 
not to learn about sexuality and gender identities and to confuse them and to give them mental issues. This is, this is not what the school system should be. They are absolutely confusing them and giving them mental um, issues. And usually uh, we're finding that there's a high number of children that already have like autism or other sort yeah. of difficulties. And it, it ends up that, you know, someone's talking to them at school without a parent even knowing. Uh, in Canada, we, we have the right to teach our children our personal religion, our personal beliefs, our personal stand on things, and we do not expect them to be getting that kind of training at school. We want them to get math, English, yep. history, yep. if you'd like, uh, you know, <laughs> give them some good life skills and prepare them for university if that's the way they're going. Although, let me tell you, our universities are a cesspool as well. So we've got a problem, Miriam. And the mothers are coming. The mothers are coming. The mama bears are going to fight. And, and they, they better be prepared for something because we're putting everything aside. We're, we're not going to be fighting about religion. We're not fighting no. about ethnicities or anything like that. I personally was born in Uganda, East Africa, Miriam, so I'm actually <laughs> African-American, okay? African-Canadian, I'm American too. Amazing. Uh, you know, but, but we're putting all that aside. Because there's one thing that every mother in this world knows is that if you hurt her babies, you will face the wrath of the mother bear. And that is coming. And we don't, we are not going to be dislodged on anything. We are fighting for the kids. We are linking arms together. We're asking every community, every religious sect, every uh, nationality come together and you are going to be in Coquitlam area. Tell everybody where to meet you on September 20th. So September 20th, the plan is we're going to meet at the town center park, uh, uh, parking lot a, that's where we're, going, where we're going to gather. And then we're going to march together to city hall uh, at uh, the city hall plaza in Coquitlam. And we're going to spend the day there protesting. And I'm calling everybody, please bring your kids, keep your kids out of school or take them out of school. Meet us there at 9 a.m. and march with us for this noble cause to make schools great again. Yes, make schools great again. Now, it's not quite 220 yet. So can I ask you a couple more questions? Or are you yes, yes, please. Okay. No, no, no. Go ahead. Because <laughs> you're, you're just amazing. So Miriam, I, I, kind of, I kind of, I expressed to you that um, back in 2017, when all of this was breaking in BC, that, that we found out for the first time that they were teaching this ridiculous, hideous, uh, unscientific, confusing, gender-bending nonsense. When I found that out, I, I went and I met with Sikhs, I met, I met with Muslims, and they were alarmed. And I remember getting on my show and saying, listen, this better stop because the Muslims don't agree with this. The, the Hindus don't agree with this. The, the Sikhs don't agree. The Jews don't agree. This, we, millions of people are very upset. And I feel so blessed that now, we're calling for the 1 million march and Kamal's even hoping for more across the country because yeah. everybody's getting to their city hall or the place of meeting the parliament buildings in Victoria and we're on the fight of our lives. And so I'm, I'm very happy to hear that, uh, you know, that this fight is something that all of us are going to engage in. 
Is your community now at the place where they understand what is truly happening? Oh, I mean, look, from when I arrived here in, in, in 2020, I think, you know, again, it was news to me because I had just arrived. Um, and whilst not a lot of people knew about it, I think the reason maybe why everyone's picked up on it now is that thank, thanks sometimes to social media, this yes. has actually grown so much because of social media. Everyone's sending out messages. There's multiple groups that are fighting this on social media. People are looking for alternatives. People are panicking. People are talking. Awareness sessions at the mosques. When we gather as mothers, when we chat at, at, at you know Eid gatherings, everywhere we are, every opportunity we get, this is the conversation. Whether we have friends who are working at schools who are coming back and telling us and letting us know what's happening, mothers exchanging stories of what's being taught to their kids in other schools. We are the conversation is constant, is constant, specifically as we got closer to the school year and within the school year. And it seems like every year, every month, they're coming on stronger and harder. And it, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. So I love this. So so the water cooler talk, so to speak, is that you're all upset. And oh, of course. Our, what, what does everyone think about the government not saying enough about this? I mean, I don't even know if anyone understands or wants to, to gauge into the government. I think for us as immigrants, you know, you come here and you understand that you're on someone else's turf, right? In our home countries, then we know the government's Muslim. The government generally, we, we are aligned on our beliefs and on our morals and on our standards. So you don't find that clash. When we come here as immigrants, we understand that we're not always going to agree eye to eye or see eye to eye on a lot of matters. So I don't think we judge them or care about what they want to do because again, you know, there's the agendas and we feel like even those of us who are Canadian feel like this is still not 100% your land, right? So I think we don't mind so much what they want to do with their lives and what they want to impose as rules for their country as long as it doesn't, isn't conflicted or come against what we believe. That's what you said, but then they're, then they're getting into our freedoms, right? That's where we object. But the fact that they want to do this or that they support this or that they think this is okay for us, that's your business. You know, as long as you don't impose this stuff on right. us and on our children, that's your business. You do whatever you want to do, run wild. Mm -hmm. Just do not indoctrinate my kids with those beliefs and don't force it on me or teach my kids to lie to me about it. It's insanity. It's insanity. It really is. And so there needs to be uh, a further education uh, for all of us understanding how did this get in? How can they put like, and I don't know if you've seen the books, uh, the books of gay sex uh, in all kinds of positions with inappropriate body parts being shown to our children. And you don't know what goes on at school all day with your kids. Mm. I don't know. So we're trusting the teachers, but our government has set up the, the LGBTQ idol in the land. They fly the flag on our parliament and not one politician complains about that, Miriam. Not even from our Conservative Party of Canada. The only one complaining about that is a man named Maxime Bernier, who is the leader of the People's Party of Canada. He left the Conservatives in 2018 because of the corruption. This is a very good man who's standing up, who, who holds, uh, Maxime Bernier held up the books to the CBC reporter uh, filming and said, do you think these kinds of books are okay for the children? 
And so Pierre Polyev, uh, Justin Trudeau, um, uh, Singh, you know, Jugmeet Singh, I mean, it, he's just an abomination to his own group because they don't even like what he stands for, you know? The Sikhs are like, what's going on teaching our kids this nonsense? And Jugmeet Singh's just, you know, it's all about the, the pride flags, the pride crosswalks, you know? Where's the... Where's the Patriot uh, crosswalk? Where's, if you're going to yep. fly a pride flag, where's the Muslim flag? Where's the where's Christian the flag? flag? Where's the yeah. Sikh flag? You know, yeah. you don't get to fly one people group one. that are a very small minority, totally. frankly, yeah. a very loud, small minority, and try to tell our kids that they're gender fluid when that is nonsense. Stop already. It's absolutely ridiculous. What I... No, I don't blame you. I get upset too. I totally get upset too. It's 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 complete insanity. I do not understand how, like you said, when you think unanimously, I'm like, is there not one person on on these boards, political parties, that has any common sense? But I realize it's not about common sense, right? It's about the dollar. It's about who's funding them. It's about who's promoting them. It's about who's making their dreams a reality. It's not about the people. It's about their agendas. So I'm not surprised that these things happen in politics. You just think, is it all rotten to the core? Is everyone a lost cause here? You know, is there no, like you say, this Maxine person who I don't know, but you know, if there is, is that the only person out there that's got some common sense, some dignity, some courage, some moral remaining on our political parties? Uh, he is the it's only, a crazy world he is the only uh, leader uh, I will also say there's another uh, small political party, uh, Rod Taylor. Um, now that is the Christian party, and I don't believe that you would necessarily vote for a Christian party, but the People's Party. We, so we share a lot more together than any other party. So I, you know, I wouldn't tell you I wouldn't vote for a, for a, for a Christian party. You know, yes, the Christians Christians still share. I would say a good 80, 95% of the beliefs that we share. So why not vote for a Christian party? I, I absolutely agree with you. And um, the People's Party of Canada shares those same beliefs. Anti-transgenderism, anti-small groups getting all of this. And Maxime Bernier is growing in strength and, and power. And if there were a movement of everybody saying, we've had enough of this Conservative Party of Canada this Liberal Party, NDPs, allowing our children to be fed to the wolves, then we could have a turnaround in this country. And I will be in Ottawa. Maxime Bernier will also be there marching with the people. And that is something that you won't see Pierre Polyev doing and you will not see uh, Justin Trudeau doing. And I think it's fantastic. And I just thank you for your time. Oh, we have a beautiful picture here. Uh, of us uh, meeting, and I'll never forget it. <laughs> Miriam, I, I thank God for you. I thank God for thank all God of for the, uh, for the Muslims that have risen. I thank God for Kamal. And Kamal and I had a wonderful time. You know, you, you are all very respectful of Jesus. And um, I, I think that uh, this is not about any of that. We can love people. We don't have to be in 100% agreement with religious beliefs, but we are in 100% belief and in agreement with the love of our children, the mothers are coming. The mothers are the mothers coming. are coming. And we declare this is enough. All of us are standing together from all different religious sects, all different nationalities, and we're here for the protection of our children. You better watch out, Canada, because Miriam and Laura Lynn are on their we're way. We're coming. And we have millions with us and great men like Kamal as well. And I God so appreciate it. Yes. 
God bless you. Go pick up your kids. I hope to see all the mothers with us in Kukutlam standing as one united, like Laura Lynn said, regardless of faith, regardless of sect, regardless of nationality, color, beliefs. We want everyone there because we're fighting one fight for our children. United. Let's go. Let's go. I love you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. I love you so much, Laura. Thank you so much for having me on. See you. God bless. Thank you very much. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. You know, it's so incredible. Let's all remember that we all came from uh, a God who created mankind. And until Abraham, uh, we've all got the Abrahamic father that we believe in. So let's, let's unite for the love of God, for the love of our children. Let's put all of this other stuff aside. Beautiful mothers across the planet across the entire planet are done with this transgender nonsense. And listen, you have made victims out of innocent little kids who, who end up, you know, young women lopping off their breasts. Why don't you look for the videos right now of those same women in deep regret because nobody talked them out of it. Nobody told them that this was maybe something they shouldn't be doing, that this was illogical, that this wasn't right to do. No one told them that. And so by the time they're 14, 15, 16 in Canada, you can have your breasts cut off. Boys can have their penises all altered. You know, we've watched a show actually, um, I Am Jazz, I think. And we used to follow that show a little bit to see what was going on. He had a transgender surgery and then they didn't have enough material, you know. Yeah, I know, I know, it's graphic, okay. To, to make the, the female parts, you know, it never worked out very good for him. He doesn't have any idea what it's like to have sexual feelings. Listen, guys, one of the greatest things that God ever made on this planet is the, the union of a man and a woman in a godly union uh, to, to come together to have sex and to enjoy that. But what this establishment has done is, is pervert that. After you cut your breasts off, after you cut your privates off and, and do all kinds of stuff or make a, a fake, you know, penal thing happening, after you do all that, you're not having any good sex. That one of the enjoyments of life is being completely destroyed by you people. And you're talking to little kids about how they should be transgender. Once you become transgender, you end up with, with no sex life, literally. So what are we all doing? What are we all doing? What are we supporting? This is going to go down in history as one of the most disturbing times where we harmed children, we we cut off body parts, we participated in some crazy ritual and ideological tangent that has no merit or base in science, and we hurt kids from all families. Enough. The mothers are coming. And God is with us. And we're done. We're done. And, and our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, he needs to be on notice. And Pierre Polyev, you've been a failure in this regard. You didn't even mention parental rights. You, you all passed, and you passed Bill C-4 with high, you know, highfalutin each other, giving each other high fives and clapping for two to three minutes in support of a bill that basically puts parents in prison if they try not to trans, if they don't agree with transgendering their child. That's what you did. 
At the base of all of this, you will lose your designation if you're a psychologist or psychiatrist for speaking truth or common sense into a child. You all put that in. And you colluded with the enemy, the Liberal Party. You colluded with the ultimate woke party on the planet. Now, while it is true that the Conservative Party here in Canada is one of the most liberal conservative parties in, in the world, right? Y'all gave gay marriage a, a free pass, and that was under Harper. <laughs> that was under Harper. Harper, oh, wasn't he one of us, you know, pro-life, gets a majority government, does nothing with it, and what do we all do? We just keep on supporting these people that are harming our nation and do not even give lip service any longer. Do you know, they don't care about us as Christians. Like the cons I'm talking about the Conservative Party of Canada. They, they won't even give us um, the honor of saying, well, we're pro-life. Uh, we don't think we should touch the issue right now. No, no, no. They're just like, no, we're not, we're not dealing with that. Yeah, oh, they're flying the, the pride flag above the parliament. Yay, happy pride month. Happy pride year. That is a very small group. I don't know what's wrong with y'all, but all of us, yeah, we're not down with it. You're hurting us. You're hurting our families. And you better be on notice. Looks like Pierre Polyev will get in. Congratulations. Under the leadership of Pierre Polyev, we will have 400,000 plus abortions. We will have thousands and thousands of children who will transition with not a word said. What have we gained? Crazy Trudeau out? Yeah, maybe. My website's laurelin.tv. Do we have a bunch of stuff to do today? All right, should we get to that? I'm sorry, I have a few more things I wanna let you know before we go. Um, so some still images, oh no, sorry. Wrong one. Okay. Teresa Tam has announced a new mRNA booster authorized by Health Canada. So all of these boosters uh, that they want to keep giving everyone, is that because uh, Trudeau bought 400 uh, million shots and they have to figure out how to get rid of those? I don't know. Take a look. With today's authorization, NACI is reaffirming its guidance on the use of COVID. 19 vaccines this fall. NACI recommends authorized age groups get an updated COVID-19 vaccine dose this fall, six months after the last vaccine dose or infection. We will have enough supply of the updated COVID-19 vaccines to support immunization programs across Canada. The Omicron variant continues to evolve with XBB subvariants such as EG.5, continuing to circulate in Canada and globally. Canada has also reported 11 cases of the Omicron subvariant BA.2.86. This improved immune response is expected to better protect against the strains that are circulating in our communities. If ha if ha it has been more than six months since your last dose of COVID-19 vaccine or your last infection, your protection from the virus may have waned. Receiving a COVID-19 vaccine dose this fall with an updated formulation is expected to increase individual protection against infection, symptoms, and severe disease. 
This is particularly important for people at increased risk of severe outcomes, such as people 65 years and older, individuals with underlying medical conditions, pregnant people, and those living or working in congregate living settings. Vaccination in combination with personal protective measures are integral tools to reduce the negative impact of respiratory illnesses. This is especially important as we head into the colder months, when people spend more time indoors and the risk of respiratory illness increases. <laughs> okay, she's sitting by herself at a mic. Uh, there's no mask mandate, but she is virtue signaling that mask. Get your masks out. You know what? No, thank you. First of all, I got, you know, a bit of asthma, so I don't want to be breathing my own toxic germs and the carbon dioxide that I'm releasing from my body. I don't want to soak back in. Have you seen what happens with these masks that you're, you're inhaling germs back into your body? Like it's so unhealthy. Everyone knows this if you follow doctors. I'm not talking, don't listen to me. Follow the doctors, the doctors that we've had on that talk about how, how these things are no good. Oh, find out from Fauci how this isn't going to stop a virus that's, you know, uh, microscopic in comparison. Like it's like this, it goes through the mask like this. No problem, no problem because it's too small. The masks don't stop anything. You know, if the masks worked, then how come all the old people died? in 2020. But even more so, how come there's so many excess deaths in 2022 and 2023? Anyone? More deaths than in a pandemic year? So JT and I are sad because we know someone and uh, her name's Kaljeet Kayla and she passed away. And we're very, very sad to hear uh, of this young, beautiful Sikh woman. Uh, she was in media in Vancouver area. We worked with her many times. And uh, she's passed away. She suddenly got cancer. We mourn her loss. Uh, we are going to let YouTube go right now. Sorry, everyone. You're going to have to go over to Rumble if you want to see a couple things we want to report on because the rules. All right. So Rumble, it's in the description there. Head over to Rumble. You can catch it there. And uh, uh, JT Roll, Dr. Joseph Freeman, detailing how the FDA counts patients but not actual numbers of adverse events in their reporting system and how this makes adverse event numbers seem lower. Take a look. Turns out that the FDA, for all of its previous drug studies, they don't count the number of serious adverse events that happen to people in a clinical trial. They, count the they only count the number they only count the number of people who have them. So if wow. you're a person who has multiple things and especially imagine in a trial where you're given two doses to have vaccine 1, vaccine dose 1, dose 2. If you have a serious adverse if you have a heart attack after dose 1, then you have a, a stroke or another heart attack after dose 2. That's counted as one. And now the fact that the FDA just doesn't count the number of events at all, there's no reason to not also count that. It's, I'm not saying that counting the number of participants is bad. No, no, no. They're both useful and give different information. FDA doesn't do it. And I would put out for anyone who's listening, if you want to go back through FDA trials, because they have not done that in any of our prior trials, and that is a much more sensitive, it will catch more events. It will catch more harm because 
people who are sensitive to a drug's serious adverse events, turns out they're probably sensitive to more than one. That's just how, how medicine works. If you're going to get one bad one, you're probably more likely to get another bad one. And that has been uh, not, uh, not what our FDA has been doing, which concerned, our, which concerned our, our group, I would say. Hmm, very concerning indeed. Why would we not have accurate accounting of what's going on in our world, especially as we announce, you know, even more vaccines for, uh, you know, for COVID that is now having many different variants and all of that. I guess we're going to have a vaccine for each little COVID, little tiny variant, right? However, it kind of moves along. We'll just keep creating a new vaccine that just only targets that one little part, targets a whole lot of other things as well. Uh, Dr. Renata Renat Moon describing typical information package inserts for traditional vaccines and the lack of any information on the new mRNA vaccines. Here's the problem. Most people are not able to find out what is actually, what the actual ingredients are. I think that's a concern. And why, why are we forcing this on people? Take a look. When we open this package insert, a typical package insert looks like this. It has a great deal of information on it in terms of adverse reactions, um, the components of it, uh, and I'll let Dr. Gortler expand on sort of where this comes from in terms of the FDA. Uh, in other words, a lot of information, kind of like your terms of use for your Apple products. That's right. So there's a lot of information, but we do expect to see this because what, what in the world are we being asked to inject into our nation's children? And that's my question. So a few months ago, I, I looked at the package insert. I pulled it from the box of mRNA product. And, you know, it was sealed just like I'm showing you here. I, I unsealed the box that the entire thing came in. And then I pulled this out. And this is what it looks like. So I'd like to show this to you. It is, sorry about that. It's, um, it's blank. On Boom. Sides. There it, it is. It says intentionally blank on it. That's the data that pharmacists and physicians are basing on giving the injections outside of mainstream media recommendations. There it is right there. Here's a good question. Why didn't they just print that on a piece of paper the size of a postage stamp? Why all the theater of folding it up into a great big piece of paper like, like that? Why? That's, 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 that's what's passing for informed consent. Right, so how am I to get informed consent to parents when I have, this is what I have. I have a government that's telling me that I have to say safe and effective, and if I don't, my license is at threat. Um, how am I to give informed consent to patients? We're seeing an uptick in myocarditis. We're seeing an uptick in adverse reactions. We have trusted these regulatory agencies. I have for my entire career up until now. Something is extremely wrong. Something is extremely wrong. And apparently, I don't think, uh, and my audio is on, right? Just to make sure. Um, uh, just, you know, we can no longer trust our, uh, medical authorities. We can't trust anything. They're, they're lying to us. They're deceiving us. And we, we've got this huge problem. I mean, what, what does that, what about, you know, it's all about green, right? Go green, right? So the same people pushing these vaccines are the go green people. And you've got this huge sheet of paper right? Unnecessary. It has nothing on it. I mean, it was a great point. Why, why all the drama? 
with this big sheet. Maybe you kind of just pull the sheet out and you go, oh, the, all the information must be in there. That's nice and thick. I don't have to worry about it. You know, but there's no informed consent. You don't know what's in these. And we've had numerous doctors on before telling us what's in them. So you'll have to go back to find that. All right, moving on. Um, okay, Trudeau. Uh, asked about Canada's contribution to the recent G20 summit in India. What does he have to say? What did Canada contribute? Uh, as always, Canada is a strong voice uh, for inclusion of uh, gender language, uh, inclusion of uh, Indigenous uh, reflections. Uh, but <laughs> So what did we contribute to the G20 summit? You know, our, our strong uh, position on uh, gender um, language and, you know, pronouns and inclusivity, which doesn't include most of the people in our country, by the way. But, you know, actually everyone's sort of against all of this gender nonsense. But, um, yeah, that, that was our contribution. Okay. So do you know who really gives the best synopsis? of Trudeau is India. And I love this lady. Take a look at this, at this great. Oh, no, it wasn't. The one is, oh, okay, you have the wrong one then. Okay. Okay, sure, take it away. The Canadian the Prime Minister, he's had, of course, a meeting with Prime Minister Modi. And this is what he's come out and said. Let me quote this. Uh, both the issues came up over the years with PM Modi. We've had many conversations on both those issues. Canada will always defend the freedom of expression, freedom of conscience, and freedom of peaceful protest. And it is extremely important to us. At the same time, we are always there to prevent violence and to push back against hatred. I think on the issue of the community, it is important to remember that actions of a few do not represent the entire community or Canada. The flip side of it, we have also highlighted the importance of respecting the rule of law and we did talk about foreign interference. So this is on the issue of Khalistan. So Justin Trudeau, uh, 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 yeah, let's listen in. Then I, then I want to discuss what this, what this fellow says. Over the years uh, with uh, Prime Minister Modi, we've had many conversations on both of those issues. Uh, obviously, Canada will always defend uh, freedom of expression, freedom of conscience, uh, freedom of uh, peaceful protest. That's something that's extremely important to us. At the same time as we're always there uh, to prevent violence, to uh, push back against hatred. I think on the issue of, uh, of the community, it's important to remember that the actions of the few do not represent the entire community or Canada. Um, the flip side of it, we also uh, highlighted the importance of respecting the rule of law and uh, we did talk about foreign interference. Okay, so I'm going to now... Uh, shed the diplomaties because when something manifestly insane takes place uh, in your face, uh, there's no reason to be polite about it. Justin Trudeau has just shown you the finger when it comes to Khalistan. This man has just come after imposing an emergency in his country to crack down on the freedom of expression and the right to peaceful protest and has just talked about the freedom of expression and the rule of law and the right to protest. Okay. Now, the truth is, Mr. Trudeau, uh, like uh, any good Punjabi, I have family in Canada. And I promise you, the nonsense that you're talking is emanating from sheer hubris. <laughs> a total disconnected view of the world where you think that we don't see what you're up to. Yeah. We don't understand what you're up to. 
and you can continue behaving in a totally nonsensical fashion, talking nonsense. You impose an emergency in your country. Your father imposed an emergency in your country. Your democratic credentials are under deep question. And if Khalistan is a problem, and if a Khalistan is to be created, it is more likely it is going to be created within the territorial boundaries of Canada. And let me add to that, we should become, or at least I will, become the biggest proponent of the independence of Quebec, which has been trying to secede from Canada for the longest period of time. And we ha I have a big question on why the map of Canada should not be described as Canadian occupied Quebec, C-O-Q. Perhaps we should issue a map of the world as, as well. Complete nonsense you come out and come out and spoken once again. You could have taken it seriously. You should have taken it seriously, but you didn't. Patikrit, this man, last time he came for a bilateral to India, showed up with a Khalistani in his entourage. What is going on? I mean, it's <laughs> totally, it's, after point is totally insane. You can't say it's domestic politics. You can't say he doesn't get it. You, you can't say that the emergency in Canada didn't happen. You were beating up truckers in Canada. You were mm -hmm. freezing their bank accounts. I mean, what is this guy talking? Which world is he living in? Rishav, he's a perfect example of pseudo-liberal wokeism and how it is destroying a certain section of the West. Uh, he doesn't understand the difference between a peaceful protest and a civil unrest or an uncivil unrest with the placard of a terrorist. A terrorist who actually bombed a plane uh, which killed a lot of Canadians. And he doesn't understand the difference between the two. No, he but doesn't has he forgotten what happened in Lockerbie? I mean, what, that's we... what I'm saying. And so, so, you know, when it comes to territorial integrity or sovereignty or respecting the sovereignty of a country, uh, I don't understand where these guys lose the plot. Where, who has said that, you know, India is a country which has always, you know, allowed, thrived on the whole concept of democratic protest. We do not need to learn from Trudeau what that is. But the Khalistani issue that he has been, he has been propping up today, uh, you are very right that tomorrow, see there is no question, no chance, not an iota of possibility that a Khalistani would ever be created in Punjab no or chance. in India. Uh, we we live, is, we, no, we live here, okay, yeah. we live here, we know this. But That's just a, the yeah. fact on the ground, okay. There is no Khalistani movement here in yes. India, except for what the funding, and the funding isn't coming from Pakistan anymore, okay. Canada is the epicenter. Canada is the epicenter, uh, but okay. So what do we that do with this? That ought to terrify now? all What's of us. No, what What's the point? What are we achieving? And right in downtown uh, Vancouver is that, too. Uh, let me tell you, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm sorry. Politically uh, let, let me, let me, let me, let me. Sorry, let me interject. Justin Trudeau and to the people living in Canada, including the very large Indian diaspora and the far greater Indian diaspora from my community, the Punjabis, that they're trying to seduce to come to Canada by making it, you know, by putting it all on a silver platter that please come and take away permanent residency for free. Mr. Trudeau, there is a reason that we are having bilateral meetings with everybody else and not with you. Okay. Uh, there's a reason for it. And stop inviting Indians to come and live in Canada because eventually they will stop because they don't want to live in Khalistan uh, because there is no Khalistan in India. Uh, it's, it's absolutely insane. Wow. I mean, it, it just infuriates wow. you, this person who last time came and he was singing and dancing and making a, making a joke of himself, uh, you know, dressed, dressed in all sorts of costumes. Uh, that this guy who just imposed an emergency, particularly, how, what, what is he smoking? Uh, no, no, that is a very big question. And secondly, you know, uh, your previous question, Rishabh, Canada as a country, with all due respect, is so insignificant that you can't even, you know, uh, penalize them in any way. We don't have any trade with them. 
you know, they, they are so distant. So only thing we can do is that I, I would rather very be happy, as you rightly mentioned about freedom of Quebec. We should actually, you know, in the name of democratic protest, we should allow that. In yeah, the yeah. name of democratic discourse on future of how geopolitics should be played out, yeah, we should, yeah. Let we should do Canadians that. Let the Canadians wonder, you know, is it okay then if there's a protest outside and somebody goes and rips down a flag of, of Canada from the top of the High Commission, I'm pretty sure the Canadian diplomats would find that deeply egregious. Uh, but who knows? I don't know how Justin Trudeau thinks because he, him, by his very definition, and now we know by his DNA, uh, is a person who doesn't believe in democratic values. We all know what you've done, sir. Uh, and uh, just because uh, your American friends uh, didn't haul you through hot coals over it. Imagine if, if Narendra Modi had imposed an emergency in India even for two weeks to quash some agricultural protest. Even for two hours. Imagine yeah. if that had happened. What would, have, what would the world response be? And just because you got away with Justin Trudeau, you won't get away with, with us. I'm sorry, this just got my goat. Ambassador Mukherjee, he has come to Indian soil knowing full well that there are exponents in his country who are waging war against the Indian state and he's accused us of foreign interference. But right. first of all, Rishabh, his wife has just divorced him. His uh, popularity polls are, are, are very low. The chances are he's not going to be prime minister for long. We should not raise our blood pressure about this insignificant man coming from this insignificant country because if there will be a Khalistan, it will be in a little area called Surrey, close to where my sister lives in Vancouver. Surrey. Because even in Vancouver, our the Indian diaspora don't agree with this little spot called Surrey where all these so-called Khalistanis live. So he should just rot where he is. We should prop up Quebec and we should just ignore him. We should not waste any time, Rishabh. We should not raise our BP about him. We should feel sorry that his wife has divorced him. We should I, feel I was just when I was enjoying raising my BP about it, you know, you, once in a while I should raise my BP. I know news, not noise, but sometimes you should uh, get get ir ir irritated enough. You know, it's 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 just okay. It just so you know. So this last, I think it was this last weekend or very recently. There's all these Calistanis downtown. I believe it's Vancouver. And they live in the Surrey area. Um, listen, I don't know much about this. I do know that the Sikhs that I have spoken with have been very upset because Jagmeet Singh seems to have Khalistani um, sort of connections and that this is deemed a terrorist group. And so on another broadcast I was watching from India, which was the one I thought I was going to play, but it was equally as enjoyable. So that was great. Maybe we'll do the, the other one another time because she was just fantastic. But I mean, these people, they're calling for the decimation, destruction. They're, they're, they want to go after um, people in India. They're, they're calling for violence. I thought that wasn't allowed. I thought that was hate speech. Like... We get called haters um, as people standing against gender pronouns by saying we're not going to participate and that we don't want our children propagandized and you get called haters. But we do not condone violence. Um, if there's any violence, I, I and all the people with me, we do, not, we do not condone that at all. Done. But this group has come into Canada, is forming a faction here under the watchful eye of Trudeau, who's too busy, worried about gender pronouns. You know, we've got this fight. Who is it in, in uh, was it Alberta JT that Maxime Bernier was saying they all need to be deported? 
because the the Ureans or the there's a name Eritreans. Eritreans, yeah. The Eritreans, what happened? They had a fight, right? Right in the street. Two different factions, Two different factions of Eritreans. They're having a violent fight in the streets of our cities. If that's going on, we should be uh, getting, you should be deported. We're not going to put up with that. What the heck? It's just so mm, unbelievable. All right, one more and then I got to go. Um, we've had fun today, huh? Okay, one final thing. Hungarian leader, Viktor Orban, a lot going on around the world, and he weighs in on Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Take a look. What is wrong with Joe Biden? No, no, it's not, it's, it's not my job to criticize the head of the United States, you know. It's, it's not a good business idea, anyway. Uh, so... But you would rather, <laughs> but you would but you would rather there was no, a different... No, 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 you would rather there was a different leader I, of the no, United no, I would, States. I, I would rather say that, uh, you know, the American Democrats are far more ideologically led than the Republicans. And the Democrats always like to convince you and sometimes force you how to live, you know? And I don't like it, you know? We have our own culture. The culture defines how we live. Don't interfere, please. Don't educate us. Don't say what is good, what is bad, what is liberal. You know, we don't like that. It's not your job. But it's not the job of the Americans and any other nation. It's the Hungarian job. That's, that's so simple. But there is Donald Trump understands it. That's important. Beautiful. You know, there's a whole bunch of people across the world, leaders, that are willing to stand up for um, heterosexuality, uh, that, you know, it's a thing. It has always been a thing. It's a good thing. And they're not going to be accepting all of this LGBTQ stuff. And, you know, Georgia, is it Milani? How would I, Georgia, Milani in Italy, the leader there? Like, she stands against this transgender nonsense like nobody's business. Um, Trump has stood against it. And then Viktor uh, Orban in, in, in Hungary. Um, there are world leaders that are just upholding the power of truth in our, in our world. It's wonderful. And Canada has become the laughing, joking stock of everyone because of our prime minister. He's so bizarre. He really is. He's a, an actor. I think he got chosen and, and primed for this position by elites. And actually they don't want him because he's not, he's just not enough. He's just not enough. He's, he's not smart enough. He's not, he, he doesn't have common sense. He seems to be bought out by craziness nonstop support of children being transitioned and pronouns. And he's asked about the G20 and, you know, it's, it's all about the, you know, gender. Our world, like we've got huge problems with our economy. We, we've got the dollar, which is at a very, you know, dangerous place right now. I went to buy American money uh, last night, and one dollar is worth um, 60 cents, less than 60 cents, less, less than. So I need, you know, a lot more money to, to buy one American dollar. I need like a dollar 40 or whatever. It's over. So it's, 
It's less than 60 cents now, our Canadian dollar. Get out of your dollars, figure out what you're going to do. If any of you've got some uh, excess cash, invest in gold and silver. We tell you this all the time because we like to give you a warning that there are some things looking not so good. Uh, a lot of people, economists and whatnot, you know, saying that. If you want to buy gold and silver, we highly recommend um, Sun City Silver. And we tell you this because we believe in it. And I don't put anything on my show or on my screens that I don't believe in. I think that we need to protect ourselves right now because we have a global meltdown financially that is coming. And, you know, this whole digital ID, if, if all of that starts going in, then like we're, we're really done. They're going to have full control of all of us. So we need... There is a digital idea. I mean, Bitcoin, I think, operates on something different than the, um, there's a word for it, the, the universal, well, there's, it's, it's like central the universal, central, yeah, central. Like once it's centralized, then we just have no control. And, you know, you might be given a certain amount of time where you got to turn in all your money and you got to get into the program or you're, you're out. You're not shopping at all the places that you're allowed to shop at. So, you know, we have some uh, word that there, there's going to be a fight against that in Canada. How long can we stave it off if the whole world or many parts of the world go into something like this? I don't know. One thing I do know is our interest rates are terrible. People are homeless. They're camping out on Highway 1 here in Canada on the West Coast. They're, they're poor. They can't afford food being up 2 to $3 for every single item that you have to purchase. If you purchased a hundred items as a regular grocery shop, like a hundred different things, you know, you got your milk, your eggs and your, your meat and all of that. And then if everything is up a dollar or $2, what are you talking? You're talking 100 or $200 more per month for a family that might already be struggling. That's the problem. So anyways, I'm going to let you go today. Uh, LauraLynn.tv. That is my website. Uh, oh, yes, Pastor Archer is uh, facing his, um, it's an urgent call to, add, uh, to action to free Pastor Archer um, September the 18th, which is my father's birthday. God rest his soul. September the 18th, Pastor Archer is going to hear from the judge uh, about the sentencing. Does he go to prison immediately? I know that they will definitely be... Um, you know, fighting it and, and there will be, you know, another action and, and uh, there'll be another fight against any ruling, I guess, if it's against him, but we don't actually really know. So we're asking everyone to pray for justice for Pastor Archer. Uh, let's stand with him. If, if we don't stand with him, be very concerned that in time, it's you. If our country can put a man in jail for 10 years. Whilst I do know that our premier, I believe here in Vancouver, in British Columbia, is very upset because someone got let out of jail after committing a heinous crime very, very quickly. So I'm glad you're upset about that. Thank you, Premier Eby. Thank you for your protection in that. But so they let that guy out. But with Pastor Archer, they want to make an example of him for preaching and for giving a positive word to, to people that are standing, peacefully protesting. Did our prime minister not just say 
that that is allowed in our country? Well, apparently that's going to be problematic. So uh, we ask you to stand with him. And also please remember October 28th, we're going to be having this incredible gathering. It's going to be an epic day, the era of champions, uh, with Dr. Lance Wall now, Pastor Arthur Pavlosky, if he's not in prison. Uh, the doctors will be there. And add to that list Josh Alexander, Nathaniel, two young men standing very strong. And we're going to have Alicio there and the band to have incredible music to get good information on these vaccines that are being told to get your booster shots by Dr. Teresa Tam in her muzzle. You know, I kind of, I, I want her to wear that thing. She should wear two. Right? She should wear two. Yep. She's got a little hair. She, got, she did a little something different with her hair lately too. That's, that's very nice. Very nice, Teresa. I hope that uh, you'll, you know, wear two masks to be safe, uh, but I just reserve my right to not wear any and shall not be doing that. Unbelievable. All right. Whew. Okay. Um, so laurelin.tv, that is my website. Um, if any of you can help with my travel that I'm going to make to get to uh, Ottawa to, um, to capsulize what is happening there uh, with Kamal, and other leaders, uh, strong leaders are getting to speak. I've been given the opportunity to speak there. My friend Marilyn Jones, Pastor Renee McIntyre will be also be speaking. The mama bears, the mothers are coming. And we order you to unhand and unleash our children. This is not going away. Something has been started that is huge. We're gathering together to be together. And we, this is a non-violent movement. This is a peaceful protest for the protection of our children and our families. And Canada is a place that you can do that. No one should be bullied, not for any reason. I don't care what you call yourself, you know. Uh, and and you, you, know, you got your weird look and you wonder why everyone's staring at you. It might be because your hair is green, but... It doesn't matter. You deserve to be loved. You deserve to be safe. And you do get to live how you want in Canada. But be forewarned, you do not get to tell our children any of your propaganda and get away with it. You're on notice. And there will be actions taken that will uh, make it a very uncomfortable thing for people to be doing to speaking to our, our children behind our backs without our consent in schools about your ideology that is not our ideology and is not a thing. It's not a thing. It needs to stop. So I want to uh, first say that I did not read from my dad's Bible today because I was all discombobulated. Um, I always read from my dad's Bible. Hmm. So... I open it right away and it goes to Hosea 4 and in verse 6 it says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge I will also reject thee and thou shalt be no priest to me seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God and I will also forget thy children oh, you know God wasn't mincing words in the Old Testament when he said if you are not going to obey my laws, my words, 
then I am going to bring judgment against you. All through this incredible book is, is one theme, and that is that when you walk in righteousness and correctly before God under His commandments, under His laws, when you do that, <clears throat> you are safe, protected, God brings blessing, He brings abundance, it's uh, a righteous outcome. But when you do not honor God's ways, God removes his protection because he is bound by your will. I'm very worried for Canada, everyone. Those of you still here that wait till the end of the show for the word, without knowledge, the people perish. I'm worried about Canada. I'm worried that we have not stood strongly enough, that we have not fought, that we have not been in the streets sooner, that we haven't, we've been so afraid to even say something strong at school against this transgender notion. I mean, admit the truth, right? How many of you just didn't want to be the odd parent out who dares to say something in a world of, you know, like deer caught in the headlights at what's being told? We know it's not right. We know we don't want our children learning it, but we haven't had the courage to just speak up and to say, you teach my kids that and it will be you that is going to be in trouble. And we need to hold people accountable for what they're saying and doing to our kids. It is absolutely not acceptable. Now, every day I usually turn over here. So do you know where I was in the, this morning? I was in actually Proverbs. And it's interesting because there are these, was it 20 sayings? Let me see if I can find it again. Because in my other Bible, in uh, Proverbs 22, yes, okay. So there's 20, well, there's more than 20 sayings there. It actually goes up to um, 30 sayings that go in uh, from Proverbs 20. 23 and 24 basically highlighting all of these sayings do not exploit the poor because they are poor do not crush the needy in court for the Lord will take up their cause and will exact life for life saying seven when you sit to dine with a ruler know well what what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony do not crave his delicacies for that food is deceptive I don't want to sit at the table of the evil when there are rulers who are not operating under God's laws. I don't want to be at their table. I don't want to be eating their delicacies. I want to do what this word of God says and stand in open rebuke of what is wrong and evil and protect our country. God bless. See you tomorrow, everyone. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. 
I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me. Thank <sighs> you.